Well, we want to take a couple moments here this morning to open up God's Word together to the book of Colossians chapter 2. And just look again at the cross and its significance. Um, Every year on Good Friday, we turn our attention to the cross of Jesus Christ where he suffered, bled, and died. And of all the places that mention Christ's cross, I know that one of my personal favorites is Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And when this particular passage talks about the cross of Christ, it mentions something else too. It mentions a record, a record of debt. And it's talking not about money, but the recording of a person's sin. And every single person has a record like that. And I just want to read these verses. I'll read part of verse 13 and then skip over there to verse 14. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. And then verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. I would like to take just a few minutes here this morning to ask you three questions about your record, your record of sin, your record of debt, and how that relates to Christ's cross. So maybe we could start with this question. What is your record of debt? I'm not asking you to tell me personally what it is and everything that's on it, but I am asking you to sit here for a moment and try to think about it and what is on that record. And whoever you are sitting here, you may be a Christian, and I'm asking you to think about it. You may be a child. You may be somebody who's not particularly familiar with Christianity, you may not even call yourself a Christian. But if you would just think for me for a moment, uh, try to think of every single thing that's on that document, big and small. At first, you might not be able to think of much of anything, but my guess is that once you start to think about it, it's almost like you aren't able to stop. It's like a snowball that's, that's rolling downhill. You think of one thing, and then another, and then another, and then another, and what you realize is that it's so big, you just can't think of everything. For example, throughout your entire life, can you uh, think of any sinful actions that you have taken? Uh, Maybe you could think of the realm of conflict and strife. Have you been engaged in conflict and strife? How many times, when and where and with whom? You might think of your childhood years. Maybe you're you're a child now. What about disobedience towards your parents or disrespect towards them? Or we could talk about things like sexual morality and impurity, whether that be in action or in our minds, in our hearts, in our thoughts. Uh, We can think about drunkenness. Have you ever crossed the line with alcohol or theft? Have you taken anything that, that wasn't yours to take? It didn't belong to you. We could move to the realm of desire. Have you had desires in your heart that have been lustful? How many times has that happened? Or if you had desires in your heart that were uh, vengeful and you wanted revenge and you wanted to seek it out and whether you would actually do that thing, it was there in your heart. How many of those desires have been there? Or desires of ill will towards other people? Maybe you never actually acted upon them, but how many times have you thought, I wish ill towards that person? And if we go to the realm of words alone, I think there is an innumerable amount of ways in which we have all sinned. 
gossip? How many times have you spoken about somebody else? Or slander, speaking evil of another person? Or have you mocked or made fun of someone? Or words that have been hurtful like uh, the piercings of a sword? And cutting deep into the lives of others or words that have been lying words. I would think for all of us, there are so many words that we would look back and if we're really, really honest, we're not proud because they represented sin. We could speak of our attitudes as well, things like jealousy in our hearts and anger maybe uh, burning within our chest, envy, hatred, pride, I mean, just a sampling, how many of these things could we think of and how many times have we sinned? If most people are honest, their list is huge and so, so large that they can't even begin to, to, to tally it all up and, and record everything that's on it. It's just astronomical. And I would ask you, am, am, am I right on that? Would you deny that if pen was put to paper, the document recording your sins would stretch literally from here to the other side of the globe? Every person, every single person, even a child, has a record like that. And we might ask, well, what's really the big deal? Well, the big deal is that we're not our own. We never were to begin with. That God is our creator. That he fashioned us and he made us and we are his and he is the one who sets the standard. He is the one to whom we are accountable. And everything on your record, so to speak, represents a law of God that you have broken. You're accountable to him, and he is the standard. But I think that leads us to a second question. Where is your record of debt? We could talk all day about what's on the thing, and uh, that, that is not a very pleasant thought. But I think as we turn to the next question, there's hope. Where is your record of debt? According to Colossians 2, it's in either one of two places. And it's actually really simple. Either your record, we might say, is on file, or we might say it's completely gone. Completely, totally gone. And so what I want to do, I just want to ask you about yours. Where is it? Is it on file, or is it gone? If it's on file, you might think of it this way. When it comes uh, to my mortgage, the bank has a copy on file, right? And so do I. We both have a copy. And that's how it is with this too. Your full record of sin debt is on file with God in more detail than you could ever even begin to imagine. And while you may not be able to recall all of those details as God so easily could, you can actually feel the full weight of, of that record on your conscience and on your soul. It is heavy and it is burdensome. It's a record of your guilt. And sure, you can move. And you can move away from people and places where you've sinned. And you can try to move, but you can't move away from the, this document. It's with you wherever you go. Everywhere you go, you're dragging it around. It's a heavy, heavy, heavy burden. You lay in bed at night and it's there. If you've ever read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, the main character, Pilgrim, at the beginning of the story is portrayed this way as, as walking around with this massive, heavy, crushing burden on his shoulders that he would just be rid of if he could. 
is strapped to his back, and it's his sin. And as with all records of debt, there's always a due date, a day when it's time to pay up, so to speak. And there's not a person on the face of the earth that can pay his own debt. It just just can't be done. It's too great, and you can't go back and somehow undo the past. It's there. Nor do you have a penny of the currency in which this debt is paid. It's paid in blood. Such a great debt requires a punishment that's equal to the crime. And so long as your debt is on file with God, as God says is the case for every single one of us from the time that we're born, so long as that record of debt is on file, the punishment is eternal condemnation and hell. It's judgment by God for all of eternity. And so I ask you, where is your record of debt? You have one. Where is it? Is it on file? It's either on file or the second option, it's gone. God told the Colossian people that he took their record of debt. And in the verse that I read at the very beginning there in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, it says he took the Colossian peoples, he took their record of debt. And what did he do with it? It says he set it aside. How so? Nailing it to the cross. That document was strung out over a cross. And what happened? God the Father took a large metal spike and a hammer and wham! And when the hammer struck the nail, that document, the record of debt, winced. And it bled. And it groaned because it was no longer just some piece of paper recording somebody's sin, but a man. And his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God come from heaven down to earth. Jesus Christ took every one of your sins upon himself. He made himself your record of debt. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says... Um, It says this, For our sake, he, speaking of God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin. He was perfect. Why, Why did God the Father make Jesus Christ to be our sin? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For some of you, like the Colossians, when Jesus Christ died, Your record of debt died with him. It's gone. It's once and for all, forever gone. And could there be any greater news? I mean, that is really why we've gathered here today, because that record of debt that none of us really care to give a whole lot of thought to, it's actually quite painful to think about everything on that document. It's gone. Jesus became that document, and he died, and it died with him. So I have one final question for every person here this morning. What are you going to do about that record of yours? It's either on file or it's gone. And either way, that necessitates a response. If your record is on file, you need to take that thing right now, immediately, and take it and give it to Jesus. Jesus put it in really simple terms in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. He said to people, you need to repent and you need to believe in the good 
news. You need to believe in the gospel. You need to repent. And the idea, looking at it from the perspective of this verse, would be something like this. You need to take that whole heavy, weighty document that's crushing you. And you need to take that heavy, lengthy record of your sin and you need to march up to the cross of Jesus Christ and throw yourself on the ground in humility and say, God, here it is. Here's my record of sin and debt. And Jesus, would you take this burdensome weight that I cannot bear and would you deal with it? I don't want my sin. I don't want it anymore. I can't handle it. And by it, I'm condemned. God, would you save me? Jesus, would you forgive me? That's this whole idea of repentance. Here's my sin. Jesus, take it. Repent and believe. You've got to trust in Christ and Christ alone to save you from your sin and the debt that you owe and your eternal condemnation in hell. And if you'll do that, Much like we've already sang about, Christ won't just take your sin. He doesn't just, it's not that he just took the record of debt. He'll give you something in exchange. In exchange, he says, I'll take that record. Here's my righteousness. Here's my perfections. And he'll credit his perfections to your account. And all of a sudden, your position is no longer one of debt, but one of wealth. It's no longer one of poverty, but one of riches. And he forgives you. He forgives of all your sin. And he grants eternal life. In just a few moments, we're going to pause and um, I'm going to pray. And here's what I would ask you to do. If you have your, your record of debt and that thing is still on file. And some of you sit here and that is the case. You are bearing this thing that will condemn you for all of eternity. If it's still on file, I would just encourage you, when we pause in just a moment and I pray, as I pray, I would encourage you personally to pray there in your seat and just say, Jesus, would you take this nasty, enormous record of debt that stands against me, condemning me for all of eternity, and will you take it, and will you bear it for me? And I believe that Christ's work, your work on the cross is enough to save me. I would encourage you to do that in just a moment as I pray. And for those of you, you sit here and you go, yeah, it's already done. My record, oh, that what you just described, that already happened in my life. Maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was 30 years ago. But that big old ugly, nasty record, it's gone. It died with Jesus. Well, when you did that, your life became his. So how should you respond? Well, very simply, I think based on the Colossians text that I read at the beginning, you should live for Jesus. After Jesus died, he was buried. And then as we'll celebrate on Sunday, he rose again. And Colossians 2.13 says this. It says, God made us alive together with him. By God's grace, you can live a joyful, grateful, obedient, we might even say resurrection life. That's what God wants. And by his grace, that can be done. The cross is truly a place of freedom. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes with me at this time.